Well, good morning, ACF. How are you guys doing? Hey, Amen. It's a good day to be here. Well, my name is Britt, and I get the privilege of overseeing student and young adult ministry. And I just want to talk to the young adults in the room for a second. The struggle is real. Can I get amen? Amen. amen. And all the older people, you know the struggle amen. is real. Um, and I just want you guys to know that there is a place for you. We have 1825 that gathers on Tuesday nights from 7 to 9. And man, yes, there y'all are. Love y'all. Um, I just know this phase of life can be really hard. And it's also when you make some decisions that just have impacts for years and years and years. And so the purpose of this community is to connect young adults to each other and truth and Jesus. Because there's so much being thrown at you, but we want to walk with Christ. And you're not alone in this phase of life. So I just want to encourage you, if you're a young adult, come to this because we want you there. Well, if you were here last week, you learned about Mason and I's sibling rivalry. Mason is the worship director here at this church, and um, man, we just compete with each other in everything. Um, we'll have coffee, and I'll be like, oh, I can drink two cups, and he'll go three, and we're just really crazy like that. And he challenged you guys to tell us who's better uh, in, in good Christian form of course. And uh, I was thinking about this, and I was like, Mason had the best part of the Bible. He had the resurrection. Like, Jesus always wins. This seems really unfair. And that's what I'm sticking with, is Jesus wins, not Mason. Um, <laughs> amen, girl, amen. <laughs> Well, we have been on a journey these past 16 weeks. We have been walking through the book of Corinthians, and there has been so much going on in this text. There's been division, some people following pastors and these different leaders in the church more than they follow Christ. There's been disobedience of sexual promiscuity and the Lord's Supper, abusing and making other people feel outcast and separated. There's been difficulties. Paul's had to answer hard questions that they're like, we just want to know what God wants us to do. There has been direction, bringing clarity to spiritual gifts and, and the purpose of those gifts in Christ, being bound in love. And there has been disarming, false teaching, which that the resurrection is true and Jesus is coming back. And that's where we pick up today is the final chapter of this text. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you guys to open to 1 Corinthians 16. You can also download the ACF Church app. And we just want to say hello also to our online family. We are so thankful that you guys are joining us. Well, I'm really big on this um, because we can go to God's word and not go to God. So before we just jump in this text today, I just want to pray and invite God into whatever he wants to say. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much for you, for your word, for your truth, for your love. Um, God, I pray that right now you would just invade this place. Jesus, that I would get out of the way and people would hear from you. Um, 
Holy Spirit, right now, I just pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive your truth. God, that is what we want. Thank you so much for this family. Thank you so much for this time. And we just offer all of this up to you in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So just to give you guys a little background story on the church of Corinth is Paul founded this and he was there for about 18 months. That's what Acts 18 says. And God sent him to Corinth because in that text it says there are people that are there that are mine. And so Paul goes to Corinth, and, and Corinth is the equivalent of kind of Las Vegas. It has this reputation of being full of temptation and sin and seduction. And Paul's like, these people need to know the hope of God. And so he goes there, he plants this church, and and then he has um, Chloe come, and she's got questions, but she's also informing him, like, this is what is going on at Corinth right now. And so Paul writes this letter out of love. He writes this because he knows what the atmosphere is like there. He knows what the people are walking through, and he's like, you need to be reminded of truth. And so he writes this letter, and if you open the text, you can see in verses 1 through 4, He's kind of giving them instructions on taking up an offering. He's wanting them to know how to do this and what this looks like. And then he goes on in verses 5 through 10 to tell the people of Corinth his plans for travel. And when he's talking to them, he says, I don't want to just pass by. When I come, I want to be there with you. And so he loves these people. He wants to spend time with them. And then the next verses, he's giving them instruction and information regarding Timothy and Apollos. These are also brothers who labored with the people of Corinth. And so he's just telling them this is when they're coming and this is what this should look like. And then he closes kind of that section with people to learn from and honor as co-laborers of Christ. And then he has his closing remarks of the letter. And when you read through the text, you can see that there's kind of a verse that just kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. And this, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13, is the verse we're going to be sitting on today. And this is Paul's final instructions to the people of Corinth. And when I read through this letter, it reminded me of a parent who is telling the child, hey, this is where I'm going, this is what I'm doing, this is who's in charge, but then they look at you so they can tell you the most important things. Don't let anyone in, be off the screen by 10, eat your dinner, I love you, bye. It's like these final instructions, and he, it's the thing that the child is supposed to hold on to, and this is what we are supposed to hold on to as believers. To the people of Corinth, he says, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. And I think these instructions aren't just for the people of Corinth. They're for us today. And what we want to do is just sit on what Paul is saying because it's important and it's matter. it matters. And these are his final words to the people of Corinth. And so the first thing that Paul instructs these people is to be on guard. Be alert, be aware. And there's one thing about a guard is, is their purpose. Their purpose is to be aware of the enemy, but also the king. 
And so I want to kind of talk about these two different facets for a moment. The first one is to be aware of the enemy. Man, there is an enemy and it's not people. It's so important that you guys hear that. There is an enemy and it's not people. It is Satan and sin. And the Bible says that the enemy roars around like a like a lion looking for people to devour. He is the father of lies, and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I think it's really important that we don't treat people like the enemy. And how you can know if you're treating people like the enemy is if you devalue, dehumanize, or degrade anyone made in the image of God. You see, the enemy's purpose is to destroy, and he does not need our help doing that. It's really important that we recognize that. And this week, I was watching this pastor who got on stage and was addressing the congregation because he was texting someone in the congregation, and he's just kind of bearing his heart, and he's asking for forgiveness. He's saying, I feel really humiliated and I recognize that I need help, and that there is an elder board that is holding him accountable for the purpose of restoration and renewal and redemption. And I'm watching this pastor, and then I just start looking at the comments, and they are so destructive. It's all about seeing this man being taken down and devalued and degraded and dehumanized, and I'm like, man, we look nothing like Jesus in this moment. We have an enemy and it's not people. And we need to stop treating people like the enemy. As the church, we are called to love one another, which looks like truth, which looks like hard conversations, which looks like confronting sin and confession, and we do it with grace and gentleness and the Spirit of God. You see, the gospel, if it's just truth, it's not the gospel. And if it's just grace, it's not the gospel. Jesus was fully truth, fully grace, and that is how we are called to live. Fully truth, having hard conversations, leaning in instead of leaning out when things are messy, but also gracious, saying, I love you and I want the best for you, and that's why I'm having this conversation. The second thing that we need to be aware of is the king. A guard is aware of the enemy, but they're also aware of the king. And Mason taught on this last week, and as much as I hate to admit it, man, he did a wonderful job. Uh, but this is the promise. This is the hope that sin and Satan do not have the final say. Jesus does. Amen. And he is coming back, and he is going to renew, redeem, and restore everything that was broken. The Bible says he's going to wipe away every tear, and the old is going to be gone, and the new is going to be coming, and there's going to be no more death and no more mourning, no more sickness. And that is our hope. And so we live in that reality. We live in that truth that Jesus is coming back because he is. And so we're aware. The second thing that Paul instructs the people of Corinth and us today is to stand firm in the faith. And this Greek word is stako, which means to hold fast, 
cling to, persevere. And this is really what this whole series has been founded on, this idea of when life is shaking, what do you stand on? When everything is chaotic and out of control, who do you cling to? And Paul is saying, Jesus. And when I think about this idea of just holding on and, and standing firm, I'm going to be honest, my mind immediately goes to memes. And let me tell you why. So I worked at this place. It was a financial institution. And it just kind of sucked the life out of me. Anyone ever had a job that did that? Just me? Um, <laughs> amen. <laughs> um, and man, it was just a challenge every day to get up and be there. And the goal was honestly not to quit. And one of the things I love to do is just encourage people. And so I started this thing called Morale Monday, where on Monday mornings I would go in and I would spend the first half hour uh, compiling an email of memes of just like make it through. We got this. Stay strong. You know, the little baby in the picture. <laughs> um, and my coworkers, like if it was 930 and I didn't send it out, they would be like, Britt, where's the, where's the Monday morale email? And I'm like, it's coming. Don't worry. I just got to find that last meme to just really get this full picture that I want here. And, um, and so that's where my mind goes when I think of hold fast, stand firm. And maybe you can relate to some of these. We're going to have a little morale Monday up in here. Um, maybe when the world is crazy and chaotic, you pretend like nothing is happening. What does that look like? Man, just the dumpster fire and the shades and like, it's all good. I can't see it. Uh, not my circus, not my monkeys. We're just going to be right here. Or maybe for you, you're that person that's like, man, just stay positive. Just all smiles, keep it together. This is how we act. What does that look like? Man. That was some of y'all on the way to church this morning, just <laughs> trying to stay positive. Or maybe, man, it's Monday or it's Wednesday, and you're like, oh, I still have five, three more days, and you're just trying to survive the week. What's that look like? Oh, man. That, that, oh, man, that, amen. And then the Alaska people will get this in the room. So it's Alaska, it's Alaska, it's cold, it's freezing, and it's March. So Alaskans will feel this around March. What does this look like? <laughs> Amen. That's so real. And these memes are funny, but there's a little bit of truth to all of them. We can ignore what's going on. We can try and muster up positivity. We can just kind of bare our teeth and be like, man, just hold it together, stay firm. And I think a lot of times when we're in this season of life, what we hold on to and what we cling to, whether it's major or minor, is us. And when I thought about this, just in these minor moments, I thought about this one time I was with my sister, and we were hiking Aklutna, and this was our first hike, and if you know Aklutna, it's a big old lake, and it has this easy trail that goes this way, and then it has this trail of death called Twin Peaks that goes like this, and I told my sister, I was like, man, we're going to have this easy stroll, it's going to be so lovely, and 
She's like, okay, we ended up on the trail of death. And we're dying. I'm like gasping for air. So is she. And all of a sudden I hear, I feel fabulous. I am fabulous. I feel fabulous. I am fabulous. And I'm like, Amber, what's going on? <laughs> and she's like, it's my power statement. And I'm like, what? She's like, it's my power statement. When I'm struggling and I need motivation, I just start saying, I feel fabulous, I am fabulous. I feel fabulous, I am fabulous. And I remember thinking, she is crazy. <laughs> and my sister loves Jesus. She disciples me, she mentors me, um, she inspires me in my faith. Uh, but 30 minutes later, I am like dying. And I'm like, I feel fabulous, I am fabulous, I feel fabulous, I am fabulous. And we can laugh at that. But in these really challenging moments, again, whether they are major or minor, our natural response is to hold on to us, to hold on to things we can control. Paul tells us who to hold on to, and it's not you, and it's not me. It is faith in Jesus. Psalm 37, 34, 17, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The thing I love about this verse is that it acknowledges that there's brokenhearted people. It acknowledges that there are those who are crushed in spirit and that God is close to them. And so I want to ask you, when life gets shifty and things get hard and the chaos of the world just starts to come around you, what do you stand on and who do you cling to? And this is such an important question. And when I was thinking about how, what this could actually look like and especially our culture in America, maybe you cling to your job. You just become so engrossed in your work because it's the only thing you can control. And so you're just constantly going at it. Maybe it's your status. You just start posting constantly on social media so you can get likes and be affirmed and get value because right now that is what you're standing on. How many people follow you? Maybe it's your feelings. Maybe you hold on to those, and if your feelings are like my feelings, they shift and change, and oftentimes they're not true. They're there, but oftentimes they're speaking lies instead of the voice of God. Maybe you cling to an addiction, alcohol, porn, drugs, and when you need to stand on something, what you really do is numb yourself to try to escape from just the chaos and the pain and the hardship of life. And here is my question for us. Is, is any of those things able to sustain us? Can any of those things actually carry the weight and the load of life? Paul says, stand firm in the faith of Jesus. And Man, for me, this just gives me the opportunity to take a breath. I want you guys all right now to just take a breath. Because it doesn't depend on us to have it all together. It doesn't depend on us to save and fix everything. It doesn't depend on us to have control. It depends on God, who is faithful 
And I love what Jesus says. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, so when you don't know where to go, you follow me. I am the truth, so when you don't know what to believe, you believe in me. I am the life, when you don't know what to do, you seek me and follow me. Because Christ is a firm foundation. Jesus said, I am the cornerstone in whom the whole building rests upon. And when I was prepping for this message, I was just like, man, what's the point of a foundation? What's its purpose? And for a home foundation, it has four. The first is to carry the load, to uphold the structure, to prevent collapse, and to resist movement. Man, and when I cling to myself or any of these other things, it does not have the power and the ability to do that. You can stand on many things and you can hold on to many things, but does it have the ability to carry the load and the weight and resist the movement? Paul is saying Jesus can and that's for us today, too. The third thing that Paul instructs the people of Corinth and us is to be courageous. And this word means to be strengthened and act like men. This is a battle term, and when I was kind of studying this word and cross-referenced it with First and Second Samuel, it literally means to fight bravely. And I think this is for us today because sometimes life is such a battle and sometimes it's, it's such a fight just to make it out of bed in the morning, to be the mom, to be the dad, to be the student, to be the worker. It can be such a struggle. And Paul is saying, life is hard and you need to fight. And this week is National Suicide Prevention Week. And what we believe at ACF is one suicide is way too many. And I don't know if you know the stats about suicide in the U.S., but it's heartbreaking. It's crushing. It's the 12th leading cause of death in the U.S. and one of the top for young adults and youth. In 2021, there was 45,979 deaths due to suicide. 12 million people are thinking about it, and 1.2 million people have attempted it. In Alaska, it is ranked the second highest per capita. And I was talking to my friend, who's a therapist, about just this heartbreaking thing, and I was like, why does this happen? And she said, the number one cause of suicide is, is hopelessness is people living without hope. And so ACF launched something called Hope to Alaska because we know one of the biggest barriers for people getting counseling to walk through darkness is cost. And we said, how can we just be a minister of the gospel and, and hope? And so we launched this initiative where people can get free counseling up to 10 sessions because hope matters. And we need to know that we are not alone in the brokenness and darkness of life because it is a fight. And when I don't know what to do 
or how to process things or even how to live, I just try and look to Jesus because he is my example, he is my God, and he is someone I want to follow. And I started thinking about his life and this moment when he was just overwhelmed to the point of death and sorrow in his soul. What did that look like? And this brought me to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is right before he would go to the cross for our sins. And in Matthew 26, 36, it says this. It says, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And you know what's so amazing about that is Jesus is God in the flesh. He's in his most vulnerable moment of life. And he says, Peter, James, John, come here. You need to see what it looks like to struggle. You need to see what it looks like when you're overwhelmed to the point of death. Come watch me. Come see the brokenness. And I was so in awe of this text because if I'm God in the flesh, I don't want anyone to know I'm overwhelmed. I don't want anyone to know that my soul is downcast. And yet he says, come along. You need to see what it looks like to work through this because it happens in life. And if Jesus invited other people into one of the most weighing, crushing moments of his life, how much more should we? If Christ had the freedom to say, this is what it looks like to be broken, and you shouldn't do it alone, how much more should we? It takes so much courage to fight and be brave and let people in. And this isn't just for someone struggling with suicide. Maybe you're here today and you're paralyzed with anxiety. And you're like, I can't even be in social situations without just being overwhelmed. Be courageous. Hope to Alaska is for you. Maybe you're in this room and you're like, I have so much past trauma. I can't even live in the present, let alone think about my future. Hope to Alaska is for you. Or maybe your story is a little bit like mine, where several years ago, my marriage was just in complete despair and hopelessness. And my husband and I were completely and utterly broken, and we had no idea how to put the pieces back together. And I remember wanting to keep everyone out, to have this perception of, I'm strong, I can do this. And Jesus reminded me I needed to let people in. I needed to let the light in, and me and my husband, we learned not to fight against each other, but fight for each other. And we didn't know how to do that, and so I had to go back to the pastor's office and say, can I sign up for Hope to Alaska? Me and my husband, we need hope. And we signed up, and we did two years of work. Man, and I have never been more proud to be his wife. Yeah, we can celebrate that. (laughs) 
he is someone who strengthens me and encourages me and challenges me, and I know I do the same to him. And I'm so thankful we did the courageous thing and we fought. Maybe today you just need to fight. The fourth thing that Paul instructed the people was to be strong. And this word means to increase in strength or to grow strong. And if you know me at all, you know I want to be jacked. (laughs) Amen. It's so real. And I'm not talking like physically fit or anything like that. I'm talking like Hulk Hogan's body with my face on it. That is hashtag goals. And the reality about strength is that in order for you to get stronger, there has to be weight present. And if you're like me, I don't like to carry weight. But you see, when you're in the gym and you're lifting and your muscles start to grow, it's because of the weight. And the more you do those workouts, the more you build endurance and and perseverance. And then the more you're able to carry more weight. And I want to be honest with you guys. I feel like our culture has bought this insidious lie that happiness and joy are the normal human experience. That we experience those things 24-7, and that's not reality. Suffering is normal. Let me say that again. Suffering is normal. And I love how honest the Bible is. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, suffering always produces something in our lives. And when I was in that really challenging season of my marriage, my angerness and bitterness and victim mentality just produced more of that. And maybe you're in here and life is chaotic and hard and, man, you're turning to drugs or alcohol or porn. And is that just leading to more suffering in your life? Because suffering always produces something. And what Paul says is that suffering can actually produce good things in us. This is in Romans. He says, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen. And I want to go ahead and invite the band up. They're going to play a song here in just a moment. But here's what I want you to hear. is Strength is not about picking yourself up by your bootstraps. It's not about baring your teeth and just grinding through it. It's not about having it all together. You see, Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. And when I think about strength, I think about carrying the load. And I love that the Bible shows us what it looks like to carry these moments of suffering and hardship. 
In Psalm 42, David is just crying out to God, and he says, my tears are my food, and I drink of them all day long. You see, in his suffering, he went to the God who sees him and hears him. And suffering can turn us towards God or away from God. And I love that David's response was, I need you because you are the source of strength. You can carry the load. And so I'm not going to act like I have it all together. I'm going to go to the God who does. And maybe you're in here today and you're like, Britt, I'm having a really bad day. Or maybe you're in here today and you're like, I am not okay. I want you to know it's okay to have a bad day and it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Everyone's damaged, a little depressed Every now and then you get that feeling in your chest Some days I'm a loser, brush my teeth in the dark Head above water in the swimming pool of sharks Ooh, it's hard to get up out of bed when everything is on its head And nothing seems to make
day. You are in the right place. If you're sitting here and you're like, I'm not okay, we are so thankful that you're here. Because the reason we exist is Paul's fifth instruction, is to do everything in love. You see, we love because Christ first loved us. And we are a reflection of that love because of the love we first received from God. And the gospel isn't you have to be good enough to get to God. It's God is good enough to get to you. And you need to hear that today. That God saw our mess and our brokenness and our sin. And he didn't sit in heaven. He came to earth to make everything right, to pay for our mistakes, to pay for our disobedience, and to lavish us with love. And as Jesus was hanging there, he was choosing you, and you, and you, and you. Because he said, you're worth it. You're worth the suffering, And maybe you're in here and you are going through the thick of it. I want you to know, Jesus knows what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to feel abandoned. He knows what it's like to be outcast and rejected. He knows what it's like to be abused. But he chose you. And he walked through all of that because he didn't just want to spend eternity in heaven with you. He wants to spend life right now. And that love breaks through the darkness. That love changes lives and hearts. And that love is there for you today. And I know as Christians, we can hear this so many times. We can hear, man, God loves you. But he also loves what you did last night. He loves the, the moments where you got it wrong, he's like, my love is still near. My heart is still with you. And I think sometimes we can receive God's love, but not in the messy moments of life. We can receive God's goodness and God's grace, but not in our brokenness. And that's when it should be loudest. That's when we should just fall to our knees at the Savior, who says, that doesn't define you, I do. Do everything in love because Christ did everything in love for you. Corinth had been through a lot. There was disunity, false teaching, sexual sin, pride, questions, doubt. And none of this was out of God's reach. None of this was out of God's ability to renew, redeem, and restore. And I got to be honest, this week when I was preparing this message, I had a really, really rough day on Tuesday. And I went to an office because I was hoping no one would be there. 
and just kind of fell apart for a moment. And there were people in there, and they prayed over me, and they took care of things that I couldn't take care of. And they held me up when I felt like I couldn't keep going. And I remember sitting on my couch that night and just wrestling with God. I'm like, God, I'm supposed to preach this message about standing firm in faith and being courageous and being strong and doing everything in love. And man, that's the last thing I feel right now. And God in his kindness showed me what it looks like to live out this verse. He said, Britt, be on guard, but together. He said, be firm in the faith. And on Tuesday, man, I didn't feel firm, but together when these people gathered around me, the foundation I stood on. He said, be courageous. And I was like, God, I didn't feel courageous. And he was like, other people were going to war for you. And I got to just sit in that. And I was like, God, I don't feel strong. And he's like, Britt, they are carrying the load. And all of this is happening out of love for me. And so when we read this verse, we can read it as individuals. How do I apply this to me? But Paul intended this for the church. This isn't an individual charge. This is a body of Christ charge. And this is how we get to experience this text to the full. Together be on guard. Together stand firm in the faith. Together be courageous. Together be strong. And together do everything in love. What would happen if we lived that out together? I think the world would be changed. Because they would see a messy, broken people saying, we're going to fight and not each other but the enemy. They would see a messy group of people standing firm in Jesus when it's chaos around them. They would see a group of people who are fighting for each other in the kingdom of God. They would see a bunch of people who don't have it all together carrying the weight. And it would all be done in the power and in the strength and in the name of Jesus. And so as we close, I want us to read this text, but I want us to read it as Paul intended. So I want you guys to repeat after me. Together be on guard. Together stand firm in the faith. Together be courageous. Together be strong. And together do everything in love. Man, that's my hope and my prayer. And that was Paul's hope and prayer for the people of Corinth. Because this can change the world. And we don't want to come in here every week and, and just do lip service. When I come into church, I want to be challenged and convicted and changed by the word of God. That's his purpose. And so I want you guys to pull out your action steps and take a moment and reflect on where you need to take a step. Maybe it's to begin a relationship with Jesus. 
And that's what God wants. He doesn't want your good behavior. He doesn't want your morality. He wants your heart. And a relationship means you do life together. And maybe today you've never just said, Jesus, I want a relationship with you. And, and the hard part about this is, is we have to surrender. We have to acknowledge we need a savior and then walk with him as king and Lord. Man, he's so faithful, he's so good. And he wants to just, again, not walk with you in heaven, but right now. Maybe it's to get hope or give hope. When we were talking about life being a battle, you're like, Britt, it's a battle just to be here this morning or be online and you're here. But I wanna challenge you to be courageous and take another step, to sign up for Hope to Alaska, to let light into the darkness and start to walk in hope. And maybe for you, you're like, man, I'm doing really well in that area, but I'm really passionate about this cause. Maybe you wanna give to Hope to Alaska and help move that mission forward. Maybe you need to receive God's love in this area of my life. God's love is so lavish, and yet we can put it in a box and say, this is when I go to that. This is when I'm reminded of that. And God's like, you need to receive it everywhere. I know all of the places of your heart. And what you need to hear from me is that I love you, you're not too far gone, and I want to, again, redeem, restore, and renew. Let my love break through the darkness. And be real with that. Write it down. And the last one is be together with a brother or sister who needs it. Man, we all know people in our life who are struggling. And what would happen if we just texted them right now and just said, man, I want to walk with you. I want to be on guard with you. I want to be firm with you. I want to be courageous with you. I want to be strong. And we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. Be powerful. Would you guys go ahead and bow your heads as we close in prayer? God, we just thank you so much for your love and for your truth. God, I thank you for letting me experience the beautiful reality of this verse this week. I see it so clearly now, what it means to be on guard and to stand firm in the faith and be courageous and be strong and do everything in love. And God, I just pray that that would speak to us as the body of Christ that together we would do this by your power, by your strength, by your love. God, I just pray for the person in here um, who's not okay, who's having not just a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, a bad year. God, give them courage. Remind them that life is a fight and you want to wage war against the darkness in their lives, God. Break through. Let them be courageous and take a step today. God, we love you, but we just thank you so much for first loving us. 
Jesus, we ask this and believe this, and you are wonderful and powerful and mighty, life-giving, beautiful name. Amen. Love you guys.